Hey troops, it's your old buddy Bucho dropping in here before we launch with a spoiler warning for episode 8 of season 1 of The Mandalorian, which also strongly hints at something which is almost certainly going to happen in the last two episodes of season 7 of The Clone Wars. So if you want to avoid that, then skip from the 25 minute 30 second mark to the 26 minute 30 second mark of this episode of Sending the Clones. And with that, Let's get ready to launch on Season 7, Episode 10, The Phantom Apprentice. Anakin is on a special assignment by order of the Jedi Council. What kind of assignment? He has been instructed to observe the Chancellor and report his findings. Observe? You mean spy? They told him to spy on the Supreme Chancellor? Why? The Senate has allowed the Supreme Chancellor to remain in office long after his term has expired. The Council wants to know what his true intentions are. The Chancellor has been a great friend and mentor to Anakin. I can't imagine he is happy about this. No, he is not. So perhaps it's best that you do speak with him. And what? Defend the Council's actions? I hardly think I'm the best person for that. Ahsoka, the Council isn't always right. That's why I'm asking for your help. Sorry to interrupt, but there's been an attack. You had best go. Tell Anakin. I will. It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Buto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the clone army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists. So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to send in the clones in this episode. With Mandalore caught between an Ahsoka rock and a Maul hard place, Ahsoka goes from being cornered by Maul to taking Maul prisoner. Along the way, though, Ahsoka hears some hard truths about her former master in the state of the galaxy that she is not yet ready to accept. Hey, troops, it's your old buddy Bucho, a Clone Wars rookie. On my first ever watch of the Clone Wars, and next to me in the dropship, he's watched the first six seasons of the Clone Wars three whole times, and some episodes four or five or six times or more. He's the Ahsoka to my Rex. It's your trusty pal, Robbie. Welcome, everyone. You had better believe that we're going to talk about the 130th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology, written by Dave Filone. I am directed by Nathaniel Villanueva. It is Season 7, Episode 10, The Phantom Menace. So, Robbie, let's just roll straight into the episode. Episode 10, Season 7, The Phantom Apprentice opens exactly as Episode 9 concluded with Ahsoka... Surrounded by Maul and his Mandalorian goons, and we see Ahsoka get a secret signal out to Rex and the lads, who arrive on the scene, guns are blasting. Just after Maul name drops, good old Darth Sidious, and Maul decides, at this point, it's not time to stand and fight, it's time to disappear into the sewers. So, we then cut to Ahsoka and Rex and Bo-Katan, who seem to have pretty much taken back Sundari by this point there, doing kind of a clean-up operation out there. So the capital city of Mandalore is back in... Well, it was already in Mandalorian hands, kind of, but all the Mandalorians were under Maul, so it's back in Mandalorian hands. Although it's also in Republic hands, so it's still a little bit of a mess, Robbie. But they are hologram skyping Obi-Wan, who fills them in on what he knows about the Sidious character. And Obi-Wan also announces, dun, 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 
Dooku is dead, Robbie. The last episode, <laughs> Old Friends Not Forgotten, led us up to the start of Revenge of the Sith. And this episode tells us that we are now concurrent with the Revenge of the Sith timeline. And of course, next we hear that Obi-Wan is being sent to hunt down General Grievous on Utapau. And that Anakin has been sent on a secret spy mission to spy on Palpatine. And Ahsoka correctly surmises that Anakin will be none too pleased with the council for asking him to spy on his mentor slash surrogate grandpappy Palpatine. And Obi-Wan even has the gall to ask Ahsoka to speak to Anakin to try and talk him round to thinking that spying on Palps is a good idea, effectively asking Ahsoka to take the side of the Jedi Council against her old master who once stood up for her against the Jedi Council. But before the conversation can go any further, Rex busts in with news of a fresh attack and Ahsoka has to run. And as she leaves, she turns to Obi-Wan and says, Tell Anakin... And she doesn't complete the sentence. She doesn't have to because Obi-Wan knows. And he simply replies, I will. So we're only hitting the six minute mark at this point and there's already so much to take in. Dooku's gone. Everyone's about to head off to meet Griffiths and Uda Pau. Anakin's doing the spy thing on Palpatine. It's action stations, Robbie. There's, there's a lot to take in just in the first six minutes. Yeah, I mean, there's the beginning. I mean, just the intro, you know, with the Lucasfilm Limited. I mean, I don't know if you got this too, but to me, it, it's clear that that's a Close Encounters of the Third Kind ripoff of the very beginning of the movie. I loved that. I wasn't exactly sure where they were going with it, if it was going to mean anything, but that was definitely the vibe that I got from it, which I loved. And I love that Maul, he knows the broad strokes of the plan, but he doesn't know like everything. Like he didn't know exactly what the timing was going to be or anything like that. You know, I just kind of picture Sidious sitting down, you know, over drinks or something with Maul and going, okay, here's the deal. This is what I'm going to do. You know what I mean? I just, I <laughs> love drinks. that. Or while he's pacing around and Maul is chained up in a prison cell. Well, there was evidence that Maul knew the plan long ago. Like, this plan has been in the works for a very long time. Well, he didn't know all of it, though, right? Right. I mean, we'll get to that later when he when he has his little chat with Jesse, but he didn't know all of it, but he he's known some of it. And I figured that was just a case of, you know, he's been prisoner of Palpatine and Palpatine's done the old... I mean, Palpatine's a supervillain. Of course he told his prisoner the plan. That's what supervillains do, right? Right. Yeah, I just... I don't know, I just love the idea that, comically, the idea of them just kind of chatting and going, okay, oh, wouldn't it be cool if I did this, you know what I mean, kind of thing. But I see what you're saying, But it's yeah. just, at the same time, it's nice to know that even though Maul wasn't able to fulfill, or maybe he did, all of the parts of, of his plan, it's still nice to know that he was, you know, kind of part of it. And he's, he's like, okay, so I'm a puzzle piece a pawn that you threw away well I'm going to make it as hard as possible on you which I love but I also love the fact that you can tell he fears Sidious more than anything the way he he almost gasps when he says his name sure you know he can't just say it he just I I love that that little detail yeah he's carrying trauma from whatever Sidious did to him yeah it's just it's so good and then you know when, when we get to the sort of breakdown with with obi-wan and he's kind of he's letting ahsoka and bo-katan know what he knows about sidious first of all i didn't expect that at all so it was very very nice to see he catches you up with where we are in the movie yeah because as soon as she said the name when she says darth sidious i knew immediately i was thinking okay 
he had talked with Dooku about it. Dooku let that name slip on purpose. Yeah. You know, what's how is he going to react to this? And I just love to see all of that. I mean, that was just really cool to see. And then, of course, knowing that this must be, you know, when he's on the transport on his way to Utapau. You know, just because he's, he's got the hood up. You know, it's almost like... Doesn't he say he's just about to leave to go to Utapau or something? I mean, I don't know. It doesn't actually matter, but he's he's yeah. at some point, he's going to be sent on the mission to Utapau or he's on the mission to Utapau. But well, yeah, the, it definitely lets us know where it is in the timeline. Right. The two kind of spots where I... Before he actually let slip, you know, kind of where he was, because I think he's on the way, is, you know, he's got the hood up, so I pictured the scenes in Revenge of the Sith where he's got the, his hood up. And I was thinking, okay, he's got it up at this point. He's got it up at this point. I don't know. It's just, you don't see him with his hood up all the time. Right. So I just kind of envisioned, you know, kind of where he was in the movie. And of course, you know, he kind of lets slip that it's before when I thought. Yeah, it's not clear because he says, I'm being sent to hunt down General Grievous on Utapau, which to me reads as, I'm about to be sent. You know, I'm about to leave. But when he says, I'm being sent, you can read that as, He's on the way now as well. Like, I, like, that's how I thought. I thought he was on the ship, like, on his way at that point. I was like, oh, that makes sense. It doesn't actually matter. It's just a, it's just interesting that we both read that different. And it, the hoods up thing, I didn't even think about any of that stuff. Well, I've seen Revenge of the Sith so many times, and I've got almost, you know, a, an archive of images. Sure. And it's one of my favorite images that I, I remember. It was one of my wallpapers for a long, long, long time was a shot of Obi-Wan with his hood up. And I remembered the scene in the movie where that screen cap came from. So it was kind of like, again, it was it's it's more because I have such a, an attachment to Obi-Wan that, <laughs> that I remembered what part of the movie he had his hood up. Gotcha. And then when, when Obi-Wan is, is basically telling Ahsoka about the mission that Anakin's been put on, you can see that hesitation. You know, the, the fact that the council is not always right. There's that mistrust there that when you watch Revenge of the Sith again, I know it's been a while, but when you watch it again, you will see that there's a lot of hesitation in, I guess, the moves that the council is making on Obi-Wan's part. So it's nice to see that echoed here, Yeah. you know, when he's telling Ahsoka about it. Now, it kind of begs the question, okay, so does this mean that we're going to get another Anakin-Ahsoka scene? Maybe over hologram? What are we going to see? I, we just don't know yet, but it's just awesome to see. And then, again, the only thing that I have left on here is that last tell Anakin and then I will. To me, I was like, well, what is that about? Yeah. You know, what is there left unsaid at that at this point between Ahsoka and Anakin? You know, I think they, they had a pretty good goodbye, but I'm kind of, it's kind of an interesting question as to what, what she's talking about there. Yeah, everyone seemed to know what she was talking about, but uh, it wasn't obvious to me either. You know, Obi-Wan got it. You know, somehow Obi-Wan got it. I don't know what Ahsoka was thinking, and it sounds like you don't either. Yeah, I was wondering, like, okay, did I miss something? Yeah. Or, or am I supposed to assume what she's gonna, what she would say? But I feel like in that last episode, I feel like we got, you know, we, we got as much of a, a good goodbye between the two that, that we were gonna get. At least, at least to me. Sure. To me, it felt so, it felt so perfect that I can't see them doing better than that but we'll see right i mean we don't know what we're gonna see next so it's crap man it's again it's so nice to see that confidence in the storytelling it's so well done man hearing that dooku was dead surprised me it hit me a little bit i don't know if it didn't hit me in the heart because you know he's a bad guy and i think i've said on the previous episode that i'm looking forward to him dying you know because he's he's no good but there was a weird kind of momentary 
grief that I felt from suddenly realizing that we will never see his wonderfully shaped cartoon head and that beautiful beard and mustache again in the Clone Wars. There's always been, I mean, almost always been something fun about just having Dooku on the scene. He's such a compelling character. And so I flash back to various scenes, especially, of course, the time Obi-Wan and Anakin were chained to Dooku and the Gungan general way back in season one when Hondo caught them. <laughs> now he's gone and he's never going to be seen in the show again. And I think it was the first time I realized that this is really coming to an end, like this journey. That for me only started you know a few months ago it's still been epic it's, i've still watched every episode of course but it seems like a million years ago that everyone and anakin were chained to dooku and the gungan general and i just got that sudden sense of loss that this is really coming to an end this thing and so i got i mean look i, I guess i got that a little bit of that too with grievous or at this point grievous is still alive and I mean, I've said enough times how much i love the obi-wan and grievous scene on utapal so it just hit me surprisingly hard that Dooku is gone and that I had this sense that all these fun things that you get to look forward to in the show that one's never happening again hmm. because Dooku's gone that fun thing where either Obi-Wan interacts with Dooku or Anakin there's been so many times and Dooku is so much more I guess fleshed out and and so much more in our lives because well, in my life because of the show in a way that he never was before I watched the show that you know he's gone so <laughs> just rambling but no it's good stuff one of the things that, and I, I didn't really think of it in that moment because I already, had, you know, I'd already had it in my head that, oh yeah, I know what what comes next for Obi Wan and Anakin. Sure. They get on that ship, they fight Dooku, Dooku loses, you know, and they go off with the Chancellor, and then Revenge of the Sith happens. You know what I mean? But one of the things that I was thinking in this episode, and I don't know where exactly, but it was one of those things where it was like, oh man, we're not going to see any more Hondo. Why? Hang on, Hondo's not dead. No, I know, but it's. I feel like this is there's no place for Hondo in this season. And there's two more episodes. Well, there is. And Mandalore's already taken care of, so what's what's happening in the next two episodes? Well, that, who's to say that Hondo doesn't turn up and pick up Ahsoka when she's just about to be Order sixty six? Yeah, you don't. We don't. But I just I felt like that I don't see any place for Hondo in these episodes. Right. And I don't think we're done on Mandalore, by the way. But we'll get to that. <laughs> Yeah, well, let's get to the next part of the episode because we're still only six minutes in because when Ahsoka and Rex arrive on the scene of the ambush attack, Ahsoka learns from a trooper called Sterling that Maul had interrogated the clone troopers one by one, asking them all about Ahsoka and that Maul had realized that our old mate, Ark Trooper Jesse, is older and more experienced and so Maul had taken Jesse alive. And we cut to Maul telling the defiant Jesse something about a plan of which the clones are a part, the only plan that matters. So that's when we learn that Maul has some kind of inkling of the grand plan. And Maul also kind of mentions that he's been cast aside again. So we're pretty much sure by this point, and by the end of the episode, we're totally sure that he was freed from Palpatine. I mean, this is one of those little things where if you didn't read or if you didn't know about Son of Dathomir, was Maul Palpatine's puppet still? Was he on his own who knows you know he's i mean everyone's a point of palpatine's game but i guess you know what i'm saying that mm -hmm. this is kind of the first part of the confirmation that maul is not doing palpatine's bidding at this point he's he's rogue he's on his own he's an independent actor and then we see that things are about to get real nasty for jesse we see maul's henchman saxon leaving to dispatch prime minister elmac 
which he does successfully about 90 seconds later as Ahsoka and Bo-Katan try to get some dirt on Maul. And then it's time for jetpack pew-pew action and fisticuffs as Bo-Katan pursues Saxon. So how did you like the scene with Maul and Jesse? And then the assassination of old Elmec with the accompanying action chase scene between Bo-Katan and Saxon in which Bo-Katan just manages to get out from underneath that elevator, Robbie. Some elevator fighting, some jetpack action. How did you like this section of the story? Oh, it's great. I mean, again, the fact that we can have Sam Witwer voice Maul again is just, it's a treat. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, he's awesome. It's so good. And there's so much pain in his story. It's one of the things that I've realized about this, well, this episode really is the episode where we learn a lot about Maul and his plan and his, you know, where he fits into this story. And it really, especially, again... I know the future because <laughs> I've seen Rebels. Sure. It's one of those things where it's even more apparent that this is a tragic story from his point of view. And, you know, we've talked about this many times. You know, you're the hero of your own story. He doesn't look at himself as a villain. And it's even more apparent now. It's like, I'm not useless, you know, and I was cast aside. The fact that he was cast aside just makes him all the the, you know just everything about it and then him just i don't know it's almost like a like a rapturous look on his face when he says that the dark side has never been stronger it's just awesome to see you know i mean it's just it's great stuff and then one of my shots of the episode luckily not the shot of the episode for me but one of my shots of the episode is the shot of saxon walking away the framing of that shot is so nice. And then, you know, in the background, you're seeing Maul basically torturing poor Jesse. But it's just a great looking shot of him putting on that helmet. And I love the way that the visor, you know, lights up. You know, the, I don't know what you call it, that T marking on the visor of the the Mandalorian helmets. It lights up when he puts it on. It's just so cool looking. It's so good. It's so good. And then, as you said, that fight in the elevator shaft... I've talked about it before. It's one of those things that if you watch this series, as we have in a very short amount of time, you can see those just amazing jumps in the way that things are lit and the way that things are shot and the movement and all of that. There's that really, really subtle lighting and haze that's put in that gives the sense of of scale and of, of distance. And it's so good. It's so well done in that elevator shaft. The way that the lights and the sparks and everything bounce off of the rest of the room, it's beautiful to watch. I mean, it's one of those, we've talked about it before, that sometimes action-heavy episodes, there's not a whole lot to talk about. But to me, there's, when you're watching this, I can't help but notice all of those things because of where we've been. It's seriously like a different show, and it's just beautiful to watch. And the other thing, I mean, like you say, we watched, what, 130 episodes. It's tough for them to find new dynamics for action scenes and i've never done a fight scene in an elevator shaft with two jetpack riders before so i love any time the show can give us an action scene which feels like it has a new kind of dynamic and this one does that it accomplishes that real nice the other note that i've got on this section when ahsoka orders rex to take care of c deck commander rex replies not yet sir like he has in the other previous 130 episodes anytime that he's had to address ahsoka this time there's a yes ma'am i noticed that as well 
I don't know if that was a mistake or if that was an intentional thing. I choose to believe it's intentional. Because she's not officially the commander anymore, but they still could her commander. I don't know. It's odd. I just thought it was fun. A fun moment. Yeah. And it's it's one of the things that I, I picked up on, too. I didn't write it down, but I did pick up on that, too. It's kind of, kind of interesting. Well, we see Saxon return to Maul's underground sewer lair where Rookcast tells Saxon that Maul has ordered the leaders of all of the crime gangs to go into hiding. And then Maul tells Saxon and Rookcast that... They once liberated him from Sidious, which is the final kind of confirmation that, that he's not working for Sidious anymore. And I'm finally, I finally get to breathe a sigh of relief at that point. And that he now sees he and Dooku were the same, one step behind, as he puts it. And then he promises the rest of the Mandalorians who are still with him that if they die, they will die as warriors on the field of battle, not hiding in the sewers. So that's nice of him. <laughs> and also nice of him shortly afterward. He drops in on the throne room and releases Jesse back into the care of the Republic. And then we see he also pretty much sends Bo-Katan off to take part in the battle, which breaks out about three seconds later, which gives Maul a chance to finally have a proper chat with Ahsoka, a good old, we're not so different, you and I, type chat, where just like his fellow Zerbrak, as Sarge Ventress once did, Maul tries to draw a parallel between himself and Ahsoka as someone cast out by those they once served. And then Maul lays out what he learned, or what I assumed he learned as Sidious's prisoner, although as you pointed out, maybe this was a plan that was seeded before that when he was, you know, Sidious's apprentice, about how the entire power structure of the galaxy is about to change, about how the Jedi are finished, and then we get the mandatory, join me and we can rule the galaxy together speech that every dark side goon has to give at some point or the other. You're not a true dark side goon <laughs> if you don't try and ask some other force user to join with you, right, to take over. And then Maul holds out his hand as they stand about 10 yards apart. And then a window explodes, and all of a sudden, without even moving, they're only three yards apart. And then Ahsoka says, I will help you. And this is kind of a misdirect because, you know, they obviously don't end up teaming up. But in that moment, I was doing it. Oh, heck, is the word that I'll use for it. Because I thought they were actually going to team up. You know, it tricked me. The trick worked on me because, you know, it was just a trick because then Ahsoka ruins it by asking about Anakin and then Maul tells her the truth. But Ahsoka isn't ready to believe that truth. So then it's time for a laser sword fight. But before we actually talk about the fight, how did you like all of this lead up to the fight, Robbie? All of this chit-chat between Maul and Ahsoka as the battle rages outside. Bo-Katan unfortunately gets her, at least her, is it her second choking from Maul? Or she's dealt with Maul's choking skills before. But anyway, how did you like all the lead up up to the start of the throwdown between Ahsoka and Maul? Yeah, uh, this is some good stuff. I mean, when, when Saxon comes back and, you know, Maul's talking with the leaders of the other syndicates and there's Dryden Voss from from Solo. Heck yeah, man. Yeah, there's a lot of Solo callbacks in this episode. I love the fact that they're bringing all of this stuff together and it's one of the, the beautiful things about animation is you can afford to do that. You know, you don't have to pay Paul Bettany to come in. You know what I mean? It's There's a lot of things that it's just, I love that kind of stuff. It's just good storytelling, you know, because you're taking from all of these different spots, 
you know, of the larger story. And that's awesome. It's great for the world building, right? For the sort of fleshing out of the uh, situational world building. Right. And it fits in with the story and it takes seconds. That didn't even take that much to put it in there. But it's that thing that if you're paying attention and if you're one of those big fans that have seen everything, you love that stuff. Sure. It's just awesome. It's the cherry on top, you know? And a show don't tell too, which is always nice, you know? Right. It's not a bit of exposition. It's a bit of show don't tell. And one of the interesting things is, you know, as you mentioned, is he's deflecting those blaster bolts. He's not just deflecting them. Yeah. He is curving the trajectory of those yeah. blaster bolts, which is something I can't remember ever seeing. And it's one of those things where I was like, yeah, that was cool. Is that like a stronger ability to be able to curve the trajectory? Or is it something that's, I don't know. It's one of those, th- it's kind of like the hologram talk that we had, you know, right. prior where it was like, okay, is that, is that something that's really necessary to, <laughs> right. to delve into? Sure. But it's the kind of detail that I love. And it's like, this is something we've never seen before. It's awesome to see. That reminds us of when we've talked about Kylo Ren capturing the laser bolt in midair. And a lot of people have said, oh my God, that makes him seem super powerful. And, but my response was, that's just the usual telekinesis, you know, controlling something. And except he's not lifting anything like he's not lifting an x-wing out of a swamp he's holding something that's weightless right we already know that all force users have good enough reflexes to respond to laser bolts so that scene where he at the start of the force awakens where he catches that laser bolt in midair that a lot of people read that as a sign that he had this power that no other we'd seen no other jedi or force user use before whereas to me it was just like a cheaper more showier version of other things that we had seen jedis and sith do before you know so it's one of those things that can be fun to nut out there's no problem i don't know if there is a canon answer for whether that is a super powerful force thing you know i don't know whether more bending the bolts away is means he's more powerful all i know is that looks cool yeah (laughs) that's that's all i need yeah it was really really cool stuff and then you've got this ensuing battle outside which there's plenty of episodes where that would be the focus sure but it really isn't it's not the focus and this is where i think i can say i'm sitting here watching this and especially the second time that i was watching it i thought this is not the end of the Siege of Mandalore because we still have something that was teased in, I guess, maybe this is a spoiler for The Mandalorian if you haven't seen it, but in The Mandalorian, Giancarlo Esposito's character, Moff Gideon, references the Night of a Thousand Tears. And the Night of a Thousand Tears is when Mandalorian recruits are gunned down by Republic gunships. Okay. So, that means to me that Order 66 is going to bring a lot more devastation to Mandalore, at least in my eyes, and I think that's what we're going to see. Gotcha. So that's why I'm kind of like, in a way, I I don't think that this is the end of the Siege of Mandalore. I think there's a lot more to see. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. Which is heartbreaking when you think about how bad Order 66 is if you're a fan of the Jedi, if you're a fan of, you know, our characters. It's one of those things that, you know, We've all got this sort of anxiety that it's coming, and we know it's coming, but this adds another layer to it, because this is a a view of Order 66 that we've never experienced before. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see. And as you said, ah, gosh, I love that Ahsoka says yes to Maul for a moment. That for just the briefest of moments, they're on the same path together. And I love the that commonality, you know, that they've both been sort of cast aside by those that they believe that they could trust. It's amazing. It's amazing stuff, and it's it's very well written. And Maul lays it out almost casually, and like there's no other way. You know, there's no other way for you to see this. 
And I love it. I love the way, you know, it's almost beautiful the way he, that he lays it out. And like I said, that casual attitude when it comes to telling Bo-Katan, well, maybe you ought to go take care of that. You're <laughs> one of yeah. you needs to go take care of that. It's just, I love it. My only note in this section is actually, it's only two words and then four digits and a slash. Because my only note is Sam Whitworth. 10 out of 10. Yes. That's my only note for this whole section. He's, he's awesome. And the facial mocap is awesome. We'll get into it when the fight breaks out, all this mocap malaki that they did with this arc. But the facial expressions from all, all throughout the episode and Sam Witwer's performance. We'll probably say it again at some point, but yeah, that was my only note. What was just amazing. Yeah, that, I mean, that's all I've got too. I mean, it's just... It's so well done. And as I said, the, the confidence is beautiful to see love it i do too the one other thing that i guess i'll, I'll note now is that when maul does the older sarge ventress trick you know saying you know i was abandoned by my sith lord and you were abandoned by your people that were guiding you ahsoka was never abandoned by anakin you know she was abandoned by the jedi order so the the parallels are not a hundred percent there but right. Asajj didn't try it on ahsoka you know she was talking to Anakin when she said it or as Maul is trying it on Ahsoka and who knows whether that is what actually tips it in Ahsoka's favor or whether Ahsoka is just doing what she did with Bo-Katan you know teaming up with a war criminal to take down a bigger war criminal <laughs> because the whole point what he's saying is let's go get Sidious she's not forgiving Maul for the crimes at that point but she's saying well maybe I can team up with this this evil dude to take down the biggest evil dude of all but of course that's not what happens <laughs> Ahsoka and Maul throw down, and this is that motion-captured Ray Park, and Laura make him whirling blades, flipping around the joint. Maul abandons Saxon and his troops as Maul abandons the sinking ship like the Dirty Ready is, and then he's close to victory and escape in the trusses which support the dome covering. I love this too. We actually get up into the trusses which support this big old dome that we've seen a million times that is kind of like, it's an iconic city to me. And here they are up in the trusses, up in the girders, having a bit of a stoush. And that's when Maul learns that he was foolish to have tangled with Ahsoka Tano. And he ends up the episode once again as someone's prisoner. It seems like he goes through the cycle of becoming a prisoner. Obviously, we know he gets away again because we've seen Solo. Although, do we? Now, this is the part where I get confused by timelines and stuff. But anyway, poor old Maul. Once again, it's the version of Maul who's kind of a... The pathetic rich version of Maul here. He's begging for them to believe him. And you almost, almost feel a little bit sorry for him because he is telling the truth and because he does know what's coming and he knows it's going to be horrible and could be horrible for him. I mean, if he's with the Republic troops and he knows that the Republic's going to lose, it could go real bad for him. So now I'm rambling again, Robbie. Let's just talk about, let's just talk about the scrap and let's talk about Maul's fight with Ahsoka all the way up into the rafters and getting captured again. Yeah. I mean, what can you say? If you compare this fight to, oh, I don't know, any lightsaber fight in Clone Wars, you can see the difference in the the animation. It There's not that almost digital movement. You know, there's a fluidity to it that's just, it's beautiful to watch. And mm, I'm not going to say that it's maybe the best lightsaber fighting since Revenge of the Sith, but it's up there. It's way up there. I mean, this is some of the coolest fighting we've seen in Star Wars. I mean, this ranks up there to me as one of the best. I mean, the Duel of the Fates is 
quite possibly the best lightsaber fight we've seen in any Star Wars movie ever. And then a lot of people really like the Revenge of the Sith, but but to me, the Duel of the Fates has always held a special place in my heart. You know, I just really, really love it. And this is up there. This is way up there. Maybe I need some time to think about it and to, you know, consider it, but man, it's so well done. It's so beautiful. And, you know, the the only thing that I really have in this whole section is the idea of who was piloting Maul's getaway vehicle. Yeah. Because, I mean, they kind of make it, especially in the subtitles, they even say, you know, female pilot or something like that. And it's like, is this important or is this just somebody? Sure. Like, the first thing I thought, honestly, was I was like, what if it was like Ara Singh or, you know what I mean? Who knows? I wish. Yeah, who knows who he's aligned with at this point? You know, we don't know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know what else you can say except it's unbelievably good. (laughs) It's so good. It's definitely spectacular. And I'm going to say, I laughed out loud when Ahsoka kicks Maul out the window and his double-bladed <laughs> weapon leaves cuts on either side of the hole. I just thought that was a real fun kind of callback. I mean, the hole itself is not a Maul-shaped hole, but, you know, we grew up on these cartoons where when people go through a hole, it leaves the shape of them <laughs> through the wall. And I love that there was these cuts on the side. It was, I mean, I always seem to gravitate towards comedic moments, and that was like a darkly comedic moment that I that I really loved and it was almost my favorite shot of the episode Robbie but the other shot that I well am I going to give it away I kind of am just by introducing it like this but the last shot of the episode is Ahsoka gazing off through the hole in the dome out into the galaxy and of course we see burning Mandalore underneath her but in that moment you know it's as if she's wishing that she could just fly up through that dome and straight to Anakin's side because she can feel that Anakin is in some kind of trouble that Anakin is in some kind of torment and that he needs her help and she at least for that moment she can't go to him so I mean <laughs> okay that was my shot of the episode what the heck I, I, I'm, I'm not really hiding it very well that how much I love that shot but there was a ton of shots in this episode Robbie well, let's just go straight to it what was your standout shot of the Phantom Apprentice well this is another one of those episodes where it's hard to pick one because there's so many. Yeah. As I'd said, I love that shot of Saxon walking away. I also noted those last two shots of the episode are beautiful. That bokeh effect on the fires of Mandalore. I mean, it's just gorgeous. Yeah. But, I mean, I had to go with it. That explosion with the, the almost freezing of them. I just love the dolly shot behind each one of them. I just, I love the way that it looked. It was just great. It was almost like, at that moment, it's... Whoa, what is she going to do? Whoa, what's going to happen here? Whoa, whoa. It's so beautiful. I just, I feel like this arc is going to be the arc of the whole series. I mean, I just, I can't see it yeah. any other way at this point. I feel like this is it. Yeah, I made a, I mean, it maybe might have come across a little bit snarky about how we see one shot of them standing about 10 meters apart and then <laughs> there's a cut to a shot. And then are there only three meters apart? You know, right. in terms of physical space, it makes zero sense. But in terms of cinema... <laughs> You know, it's, it feels like anime. It feels like an anime moment to me. And I don't watch a ton of anime, and I'm not—I'm definitely no scholar on anime. But it's the sort of visual trick that they were pulling in anime. You know, where it makes no physical sense, but it, but visually it makes things more dramatic. And so you—I mean, I liked it. Yeah, I liked that too. You know, but so I just thought hopefully when I made that remark in the notes, it was supposed to be funny rather than snarky because <laughs> I was a fan of it. But before we bring this one in for a landing, Robbie, we need to sum up and give our rating. So after your two watches of season seven episode 10 the phantom apprentice 
How did you like it overall and where does The Phantom Apprentice sit on that four-star Robbie scale? Well, for me, it's it's not even a criticism. It's just that it doesn't quite match the heights of the previous episode for me. I still really, really loved it. I love the the look of it, all of the uh, the new knowledge we have, <laughs> you know, about about where we, not only where we are, but how some of the characters are placed in position at this point. I loved all that, but it's just not quite as good as the last episode. So for me, this one's going to be a three and a half out of four. Yeah, I've got it at nine former. Padawan lightsabers falling from the rafters of the Sundari Dome out of 10. We didn't mention that Ahsoka, when she defeats Maul, she doesn't have any weapons anymore. Just her, you know, her agility and her street smarts. So she ends up beating Maul while she has no weapons left and he still has his blade. And I don't know, if I was going to ping it for anything, maybe it was the fact that the Mando versus Mando battles were a little bit uninspired you know it's just the two sides flying at each other literally in this case you know flying at each other running at each other I I get a little bit hard on the show sometimes for not showing battles looking more tactical you know for looking kind of like the soldiers on both sides are dumb and you know so I've given the clones (laughs) a bit of uh, flack for this before you know why aren't you using cover you know that sort of thing so I just am always wishing that it could live up to for example the the level of imagination and creativity that happens in that elevator scene earlier which is i'm not going to say transcendent but a really fun way to show a fight to show a battle in this one i don't know it just didn't quite live up to what it could have been but like i said i'm giving a nine out of ten that's a super high score it's a super fun episode i'm probably going to watch it at least two more times before we get to next week because it's (laughs) just fun to watch and that's mission accomplished the season seven episode 10 the phantom apprentice and you know, I haven't talked to you about this before the show, Robbie. You have started a Twitch channel. Do you want to talk about the Order 42 show? Because there is a new Twitch channel that is about to take the world by storm. A general pop culture talk show called Order 42. So if the troops go to Twitch and search for Order 42 show, all one word, the 42 is the number four and the number two, then they can find the Order 42 show hosted by your trusty pal, Robbie. At this point, it's kind of still in a little bit of beta. We're still ironing out... When I say we are still ironing out technical issues, <laughs> thankfully it's you that's dealing with all the technical issues, and I just get to be along for the ride on this one, Robbie. But it is an active show. There are two episodes up already, one with myself as Robbie's honored guest, another with another pal of Robbie's by the name of Grindhead Jim, although you should be warned that the Grindhead Jim episode is not for the junior audience. That one features <laughs> some of what might be called sailor's language, but here's me doing a whole bunch of talk about your thing, Robbie. This is Robbie's uh, baby. This is the Order 42 show, Robbie. Do you want to tell us? Oh, I didn't warn you that we were going to do this at the end. I just remembered I've got this note at the end. What can you tell us about the Order 42 show, Robbie? Well, it's basically just a live show that I put together that is basically about everything movies tv shows video games whatever ends up coming up and one of the things that i don't think we've mentioned on this show before is that you know i partook partake partook part participatook it there you go our our particular yeah okay i participated in the filming of a movie an independent film financed via kickstarter from the fans of the game chasers and it's the game chasers movie on that set, I was able to meet a ton of people that I now consider friends. So what we're doing is we're we're having a show where, you know, not only do we have, I would consider it sort of topical shows where it's just a, 
a show where we can sit and talk about, you know, different movie topics, TV shows, video games, whatever comes up. But then I'm also going to have interviews with some of the cast and crew from this movie that kind of tell their side of the story. And some of them, you know, you'll never see on screen, but they're very, very important to the making of movies. And since I'm a movie dork, that's really what what it is. It's just a Twitch live show about a little bit of everything. And it's awesome. And to be clear, when you say you'll never see on screen, you will see them on screen on the Order 42 show if you tune in and watch the video That's on true. Twitch. It's, but these are people who are in special effects and computer effects and you know the and cameramen and what have you, crew people is what Robbie's talking about. Right. So you won't see them on screen in a movie, but you can see them on screen if you tune into Order 42 show on Twitch. And of course, you don't need to tune in live. It's fun to be there live in the chat room. But you know you can watch the episodes later. They're all archived there on Twitch for. What is it, 30 days or something? How does that work? It's only 14 days just because the channel has just gotten started. But I am archiving those and I will be putting those out eventually on YouTube as well. Yes, sir. And of course, the troops can join us again next time on Sending the Clones for the 132nd episode of the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology. And I just had that wave of that little bit of wave of sadness again, Robbie, that it'll be the second to last episode of the Clone Wars. And I don't, you know, we sort of went through the middle of the season kind of maybe wanting it to hurry up and get to quote the good stuff and now I'm thinking just slow down how about wait two weeks before <laughs> I don't know but what we're going to be seeing is episode 11 of season 7 Ah Sha'ubi Shattered Shattered Ah Sha'ubi probably most of the audience doesn't know the Rolling Stones song Shattered but I can't say the word Shattered without singing Ah Sha'ubi Shattered before it so <laughs> until then I'm sorry, troops. <laughs> I apologize in advance. You've gone through. This is already a long, long show, and now here's Bucho being such a goof. And anyway, until then, this is your old buddy Bucho, alongside your trusty pal Robbie, host of the Order 42 show. Check it out on Twitch. And we are out. Remember, you can support sending the clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or any other podcast platform, and Mucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Mucho and Robbie at gmail.com. May the force be with you. I give you one last chance. Join me. Or die. Never. Let me go. Let me die! Yeah.